Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Jim Melward. Perkiomen Valley School District in Montgomery County voted to lift its universal masking requirement, but a federal judge overruled that decision when families of some students claimed it violated the Americans with Disabilities Act. I talked with Villanova law professor Michael Moreland about the Disabilities Act and the ruling, but some quick background first before we get into that interview. And stick with us, this will just be a quick timeline. Before the start of the school year, Governor Wolf said masks in schools would be up to local decision makers. But then right before the school year started, his health department issued a universal masking requirement in all K-12 through school buildings and daycares. But in December, the PA Supreme Court struck down that masking requirement, making it clear they were not weighing in on masks. Instead, they were saying the Department of Health just wasn't allowed to do it the way that they did. So in mid-December, that decision was returned to school boards. Perkiom and Valley voted in December to go mask optional on January 3rd. They eventually pushed that back to January 24th, but then they ended up in court and the judge said, put the masks back on. Now, as promised, here's Villanova law professor Michael Moreland. So the question in these cases is whether or not uh, the disability laws, the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Rehabilitation Act, um, require that school districts keep in place universal masking to protect immunocompromised uh, kids. And so the federal district court here in Philadelphia ruled that the disability laws do require that. And so the school district's mask mandate has to remain in place. So there have been a series of these cases the last few weeks uh, in uh, Pittsburgh and the Philadelphia area. So what will, and they've come out in different ways about whether this is a reasonable accommodation under the Disability Act. Uh, And so the question is now what the Court of Appeals will decide because uh, the inconsistent opinions uh, are, are going to keep coming, I think, as long as as long as there's uncertainty about this. And inconsistent, what, what do you mean? Are, are there varying rulings? So some courts, uh, one, one court in the western part of the state, a federal judge said that the a universal masking requirement was not a reasonable accommodation and that the school district could lift its mask mandate uh, consistent with uh, disability discrimination law. Uh, but other judges, including the one in Philadelphia yesterday, have said that, uh, no, the districts are required to keep in place universal masking as an accommodation for these kids. And so that's uh, the inconsistency between those different opinions uh, and outcomes is what I think is going to need to be resolved by the Third Circuit. If, if you can kind of explain what's at the heart of, of these because it, it seems to me that they're pretty similar, right? They're all kind of saying, uh, if not the same thing, a pretty similar thing. Right. And the, the state Supreme Court had actually, uh, several weeks ago, had had issued a ruling as a matter of state law saying that the school districts could uh, implement their own policies. And so what the plaintiffs have done is they've now gone to federal court uh, in different parts of, of Pennsylvania, uh, bringing these Disability Act claims. And so the question in under disability law is, is this a reasonable accommodation uh, to require masking by everyone else? Uh, is that a reasonable interpretation uh, of what the Disability Act requires, or is it a kind of overly aggressive way of uh, framing what the disability laws require? And so that's the issue that the Third Circuit now is going to have to resolve. Do you know the, the Western PA cases? Has anyone taken this to Third Circuit yet, or is it still 
they have they, the th- and the Third Circuit had put in place an emergency injunction against changing the policy, but uh, but uh, they said that they will uh, impanel a three three judges to to resolve this. And again, kind of a, a how does this work question? Uh, if one of those schools gets a case heard by the Third Circuit, would it apply to the school here in Montgomery County or? It would, since since the facts are pretty similar. Now, of course, the transmission rates vary a little bit, and that's an underlying consideration, uh, whether the school districts can lift a mask mandate when transmission rates are you know, high, medium, or low. Uh, that That's part of the issue in these cases. But uh, as to the question of how to apply and interpret uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Rehabilitation Act, that's something that the circuit could resolve uh, for all the all the district courts. There was a lot of interest. Um, I, I live in Perkiomen Valley School District. I, I went to the hearing on Friday. There was a lot of interest here. A lot of students, parents went down uh, and, and watched the hearing. Uh, a lot of people were frustrated. They felt as though the judge was biased because she wasn't letting certain, uh, specifically, uh, she wouldn't really let the district get into um, any information about the effectiveness of masks. And not any information, but she, 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 she said this is not about masks. It's about you know, as you, as you mentioned, um, reasonable accommodations. Uh, what would you say to people who say, oh, the judge is biased, it's, it's not fair? Judge Beadlestone did have, I think, a fairly aggressive reading of a disparate impact theory under the Disability Act. Uh, so she says that there, uh, which is a somewhat technical kind of legal concept, but the idea that um, that a requirement that is not, uh, the, or I should say lifting the mask mandate, which obviously the purpose isn't to discriminate based on the disability of immunocompromised kids, but because there's a disparate impact on them, uh, the plaintiffs can bring that kind of claim uh, under the disability laws. That's kind of one part of the opinion. And the other part of the opinion uh, was a rejection of the school board's uh, creation of alternatives, namely letting the immunocompromised kids either be in school remotely or uh, putting them, uh, separating them uh, in a you know sort of separate part of the classroom or the building, uh, and allowing them to wear masks at, and be at some distance from uh, kids who aren't wearing masks. And in both those instances, she said that that kind of uh, segregation by disability is also uh, not allowed under the laws. And so, on both those accounts, the the school district's effort to make uh, an accommodation here uh, that would have allowed the kids either to learn remotely or to be uh, socially distanced uh, from their unmasked uh, peers. And on the question of whether or not uh, a lifting of a requirement that isn't targeted at the disabled kids, uh, but has a disparate impact on them. On both those issues, uh, Judge Beetlestone's opinion is a pretty ro- pretty aggressive and robust reading, I would say, of the disability law. Uh, and we'll have to see whether the uh, courts of appeal agree that it's a reasonable one. And, and what, when you say aggressive reading, uh, what do you mean? That uh, pr- providing uh, a lot more uh, plaintiff-friendly protection than other interpretations would be. So that and other interpretations uh, of the ADA, for example, would say that uh, unless you can show that the uh, that some uh, policy has an intentional discriminatory effect on disability, on disability and or that these kinds of accommodations, such as uh, putting the kids in separate areas or allowing for remote learning, that those aren't reasonable accommodations. On, on both of those 
fronts. Uh, that's that's where I think uh, the opinion, uh, which is well written and, and very thoughtful uh, to to be sure, but I think on both those scores, the opinion uh, would there be counter arguments to which it would be vulnerable. What I found interesting, and you know, again, I'm a reporter, not a lawyer. I don't know anything about uh, the American or very little about Americans with Disabilities Act. What I found interesting was was that there was this acceptance of that that masks are. A, a tool that will protect these children. If, if, if universal masking is a step or, or a layer, I guess that, that will protect these children. And, and that was sort of accepted. Now, is that typical for something? I mean, it, it, if you start going down these rabbit holes, I mean, you could spend, you know, weeks trying to figure this out, but how, how does, how does a, a, a court kind of handle something like that where, one side might say, yes, they're very effective. Another side might say, well, there's evidence that maybe they're not. Well, throughout the pandemic, this has been a, a recurring issue about how much judges, either state or federal judges, should defer to political actors about what kinds of steps should be taken to uh, prevent the spread uh, of the virus. And uh, it, one interesting thing about, about this um, case is that for a long time, of course, with the lockdowns that were imposed by Governor Wolf and, and governors in other states, uh, there was a, a pretty strong sense of deferring to uh, political uh, actors to say that they're making judgments in light of uh, you know the benefits and the burdens of different kinds of measures. Here, though, uh, where the school board has made the decision that it's better off for the school district uh, if it no longer has a, a universal mandatory mask policy, now uh, we see uh, courts coming in and, and revisiting that and saying that the disability laws uh, prevent the political actor, the school board in this case, from from doing that. And I, I, that was another question I had is, is an elected school board making a decision under their authority. You know, I, I think one of the, in, in one of the plain, uh, one of the defendants filings, they said, you're essentially creating a super, a super board um, cool. overseeing, you know, a school board. And, and what's the balance? I'm, I'm guessing that there's a careful balance with, you know, judicial and elected in, in something like this. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, school districts face ADA and Rehabilitation Act claims all the time for special needs uh, kids and things like that. The peculiar thing here, of course, is that whereas in a lot of those traditional disability law kinds of claims, uh, the school district uh, is being called on to make an accommodation for that student that affects that student. So a special learning plan or something like that. Uh, of course, as the uh, school district here pointed out, uh, one thing about this case is that the accommodation that the plaintiffs are asking for also then requires that everyone else uh, wear a mask. And so from that standpoint, uh, the uh, school districts and of course the parents, uh, who many of whom are very exercised about this issue, um, you know, are pushing back saying that it overreads the coverage of the disability laws to say that not only uh, is there have to be an accommodation with respect to these students, but furthermore, it has to, it can have this kind of effect on everyone else in the building as well. As courts start to wrestle with this, if Third Circuit takes us up, makes a decision, how would that affect, you know, New Jersey just said in a month that they're going to, schools can can have the option. California is ending their mask requirement. I'm not sure how that applies to schools, uh, but, but states are starting to make moves to to lift some of these requirements. What could this mean, if anything, elsewhere? Well, as to the legal interpretive question about what the 
ADA and the Rehabilitation Act mean, the third circuit, any decision that the Third Circuit would make would also cover New Jersey because the Third Circuit covers Delaware, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. California, of course, is in is in another circuit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if courts, though, uh, as they were at other stages of the pandemic, reviewing some of these kinds of restrictions, both state and federal courts, if they do start to take a view that in the end, let's just leave it up to the school boards. They're the politically accountable actors here, and and governors for that matter, state state departments of education, but basically politically accountable actors who can respond to uh, the the needs and and demands of the local community, uh, and that kind of uh, hyperactive judicial review of those decisions, uh, whether under the banner of the disability laws or something else, uh, that that's something that uh, courts are going to be reluctant to start to start doing. But but that's yet to be seen. And th- that district was one where there was a turnover at the election, right? Uh, there was a yeah. Yeah. So it was three Republicans and one Democrat uh, won the four open seats in November, and that that switched it to a. I I think it might be the votes are ending up five four. I don't know if that's the uh, if that's the the breakdown now. Yeah, yeah, and so that that's where you know, and again, every I mean, this is happening. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media. Parents getting organized. School boards being, you know, pressured uh, on this, uh, as you say, New Jersey, the governor is uh, lifting the mandate. So, so different levels, and of course, school districts, uh, especially in Pennsylvania, but other parts of the country as well, they are they are very localized, right? They're very, you know, they the, some of the districts are quite small, and so from that standpoint, uh, you know, they can they can make adjustments uh, as they see fit, and that's where I think we'll see whether courts are willing to second guess those decisions or not. You know, it did say at, at the in the opinion. You know, in the conclusion, it says that it wasn't connected to any kind of matrix or chart or anything. It is did did you did you am I reading that correctly? That you know, if they had tied it to something and said, "Hey, this will," and and she notes that it's not the court's job to write to write policy, but that was mentioned. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that is going to depend on how much. Um, uh, how much deference courts are giving to these actors and, and how much, uh, you know, the school board's argument depends on a very fact-intensive scientific uh, persuasion of the courts, or will the courts just generally just say, this is up to you guys, uh, you know, you're, it's, your, it's your call, uh, and the Disability Act isn't meant to cover this kind of circumstance. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Jim Melwort. We'll have another episode out soon.